All right, thanks for joining us. Nine o'clock hour is underway. The last hour of 2019 for the DJ and PK show. We'll be back with you, obviously, on Thursday. We're off tomorrow. Big bowl game today for the Utes. Excited for them to see what they can do as they get an opportunity to get back on the field. I'm in San Antonio. DJ is on the way. Also in San Antonio, oh my gosh, you should have seen him on the Riverwalk last night. He was the guest of honor, Chris Camrani from The Athletic. Chris, have you recovered from that night on the Riverwalk? I've recovered from every night on the Riverwalk, but barely, PK, just barely. All right, Chris Camrani is joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung tab for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. So last night what we did, I mean, I know you have somebody here with you, so you weren't available. Uh, We went out and we had what we called the Last Supper last night. You know what I'm referring to? Oh, yeah. The last, I hope Kyle Whittingham was there. No, he was not there. <laughs> <laughs> Me I'm, and Dirk Facebook. I'm offended that I wasn't, I'm offended <laughs> that I wasn't invited either, man, but that's okay. We'll, we'll have to do something back in Salt Lake. Dirk Facer set it up for the D News, where Kurt Carrigthorpe, who is retiring today after 30-plus years, the guy who hired me, Back in 1993, when he was the sports editor, brought me aboard at that point. And this is it, his swan song. He's going out tonight. So we had the Last Supper, where we took him out to a Mexican place. And of course, he barely eat, barely ate and barely <laughs> said anything. You know, nothing, right. nothing, nothing, nothing changes. And then uh, it was right next. It was on the River Walk. And I walked out. I took a phone call. And I walked out on the uh, Riverwalk area because it was noisy. And I saw some of the Whittingham family was getting ready to jump on the uh, riverboat things that they have, the little ferries. And it it was packed, man. I I don't know if you've been to San Antonio, but I've decided as far as bowl games, the number one thing that I care about in bowl games is warmth. And we've got warmth. So I'm happy. Yeah, I um, I mistakenly packed three pairs of pants and just one pair of shorts, and I could have done done it the opposite way because I haven't had to wear pants. I haven't even been professional enough to wear pants for the press conferences because I'm relishing in this heat. So it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 been uh, it's been ideal. I think if it, if it's not California or your home state of Arizona, I think we'll have to resort to uh, handling Texas just fine in the future. Yeah, maybe Florida's a little a long way to go, but uh, yeah, in that regard, if you, if you're not going to play in the playoff or one of the major bowls, go where it's warm, and at least for the Utes, they got a brand name in Texas. You know, you look over this Texas team, and you see that they're seven and five. That doesn't jump out at you, but then you see, you know, you look a little bit closer. They lost to obviously LSU is just on fire, and they lost to Oklahoma. And those are two top four teams anyway. Those are two of the losses. And then, you know, Baylor was up there in the top 10 this year. Iowa State, they lost to those teams. So I'm, uh, you know, when it first came out, I'm not uh, studying Texas football the way we study our teams uh, and then in the Pac-12. And so I'm thinking maybe Texas is a little bit better than the record. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, anytime you can play two of the college playoff teams to a one-possession game over four quarters, that means you're a pretty good team. 
And granted, Texas has had a lot of injuries this year, but they're finally getting healthy. Tom Herman said so yesterday at the coaches' press conference. Uh, some of the guys that they were without the last few weeks of the regular season, they anticipate playing today. So that's going to be a big boost for them. And um, Utah's had a great season, but at the end of the day, the two best teams that they've played, they've lost to. So I think this is going to be a huge test for Utah. I think a lot of Utes fans assume that because Texas is 7-5, and five, it should be an easy night. I am not of that mindset. I think Utah's in for a dogfight, and um, I think Utah needs to prove that they can beat a good team in 2019. Okay, so can I argue then the two best teams the Utes played, they lost, and maybe the two or three, maybe even four best teams that Texas played, they lost to? So you're going to play devil's advocate? Surprise. Surprise! Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think there's, uh, I think there's an argument to be made there for sure. But I think you could argue too that the caliber of opponent that Texas has played in 2019 during the regular season is much higher than, than Utah's. But yeah. I think once you get down to that, you're just kind of um, paring it down to uh, who lost better, which uh, is a little too first takeish for me. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, these are two teams that should probably be motivated to, to finish out the year right. Uh, for Utah, it's a shot at a top-10 finish. It's a shot at a 12-win season. And, um, you know, as we heard after the Pac-12 championship game loss, no team that has ever lost in the Pac-12 championship game has gone on to win in its suing bowl. So teams are 0-8. So Utah has history against them going into this game against Texas tonight. All right, Chris Camerani from The Athletic joining us. How much do you buy that as a legitimate, as something that I can grab hold on and said this is an issue, the hangover effect, whatever it might be, whatever the reasons are, or it's just a, it's a fluke and it just so happens that they're 0-8? Yeah, no, I think it's a trend. I mean, I think 0-3, maybe, but 0-8, I mean, you're, you're approaching the double-digit mark, which means that there's something there to be studied and analyzed. And it makes sense. I mean, anytime you're that close to a Rose Bowl or in Utah's case, uh, college playoff berth and you come up short, it's probably hard to get up for that last game, even if it's somewhere not in Southern California or in Atlanta or, or Glendale. So it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this team comes out. I think the fact that all of the seniors are playing in this last game says something. Um, you know, Kyle Whittingham did reveal yesterday that Jalen Johnson ended 2019 playing banged up, which makes sense now, even more sense now that he's opted to sit out this bowl game. So it's uh, it's going to be tough for Utah, obviously, against a talented team. And Sam Ellinger and Devin Duvernay and Colin Johnson, I mean, any time Utah's faced a good set of wide receivers in 2019, they struggled. They did so against SC. They did so against Oregon. And Utah's going to have to do so undermanned without Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman. Okay, so how big of a concern is that then? Oh, it's huge. I, I mean, I think not to, not to pick on you know Josh Nurse and Tariq Lewis, but anytime you're on the other side of Jalen Johnson, you're going to get the bulk of the action. And you know they've played well in some games and they've struggled in some games. And it's going to be a, a huge matchup. I'm fascinated to see what they do with Javelin Gidry. Do they flex him outside? Do they keep him inside to, to face Devin Duvernay? Um, how does Terrell Burgess line line up? Is he going to stay in that you know prototypical strong safety spot? He has a history of playing nickel. Does he flex down and play in kind of a hybrid safety nickel role in this defensive scheme for Morgan Scally tonight? 
Uh, I, I'm also fascinated to see how Utah handles facing Sam Ellinger because they haven't faced a dual threat quarterback the caliber of Sam this year. And even Bradley and I said the other day, like Sam runs like a running back and a fullback combined. So that's not ideal if you're a defense facing a quarterback who can beat you over the top and beat you with his legs. Yeah, I thought Chris Camaroni joining us that that's what put Utah's defense on its heels early against Oregon is Herbert having a couple of runs. I don't know if it was designed that they thought maybe they saw something there or the way the coverage was and he saw an alley, so he took off because the receivers are recovered. But I thought Herbert's running opened it up for Oregon and allowed them to get a lead and put Utah's on on its heels so you, you see the opportunity anyway for Texas to do that early. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Utah really hadn't faced a read, a read option look this year. I mean, if, if Arizona had employed Khalil Tate full-time in that game at Tucson, you know, last month, maybe they would have seen more of it. But he was getting flexed in and out with, with the freshman quarterback down there. So it's like they, they pretty much faced drop-back quarterbacks, you know, throughout the, the 2019 season. And, and what Oregon was able to do was able to capitalize on Herbert's you know, I hate the cliche sneaky athleticism, but he, he proved to be able to gash Utah early on, and that opened up the throw game, and it opened up running lanes for C.J. Verdell. So tonight's going to be a, a huge test for Utah because I think Ellinger is going to be the most athletic quarterback that Utah faces in 2019, and he's a guy that's not afraid to pull it down and run. It's not even going to be a decoy type thing. Like, there are going to be designed runs for him, and that's something Utah is going to have to account for. Chris Camarani of The Athletic, who is in San Antonio. I saw him with my own eyes yesterday wearing shorts. I was personally appalled that he wore shorts to the press conference, but I'll let that go. I mean, that's just Chris being an individual. He's got to do his thing. So I was neatly attired, but nevertheless, you do what you you got to do. You brought your golf clubs. I didn't bring my golf clubs. I did not bring my golf clubs. I should (laughs) have. But they're in in Phoenix, aren't they, PK? Yes, yes, they are. That's, that's that's where they belong this time of year. So um, how much do you buy that? All right, Utah, as we know, had those struggles in November. They conquered them these last two years, particularly this year, where they went undefeated. They won four games, had a bye, and won 4-0 and in November. So now, if they were to lose tonight, the last two years, they would be 0-4 in December. So if they lose, is December the new November? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. I think the caliber of opponent just gets better in December, so that's possibly why. I think last year should have an asterisk next to it um, because Utah was without Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss. Um, they they play Washington to a great defensive battle and lose on an absurd play that you'll never see again in the history of college football. And then in the Holiday Bowl, they have a dynamite first half and then just can't stop turning the ball over in the second half with a bunch of backups. And, you know, now one of those backups is, is being transitioned to the safety spot. But I think 2019 is going to be, uh, depending on how this game goes tonight, it could be remembered as a, a great year or, or a, a kind of a bittersweet year because this team was so close at doing something that no other Utah team has ever done. And if they come up, you know, short in the Pac-12 championship game and against Texas in the Alamo Bowl, I think it'll be uh, fair or unfair. It'll be a what-if year when we look back on it. Okay. Could I argue that that would be the case either way? Um, 
yeah, well, yeah, we're always going to think what if because of the loss to Oregon and especially the way LSU manhandled Oklahoma. I, I, I know for a fact I would probably bet my very depressing life savings on it that Utah would not give up seven touchdowns in the air in the first half to LSU in a college football playoff. I'm not saying Utah would win. I would definitely pick LSU to beat Utah in a playoff. But the fact that Utah could have been there and could have changed the kind of the landscape of the Pac-12 and, and been the, the bellwether team for the, the turnaround of the Pac-12 would have been ideal. Um, but, you know, they didn't. They got manhandled. Um, I blame Oregon, really, for losing to ASU because if they had beaten ASU, we would be in Pasadena, and we would be talking in Pasadena, nothing against San Antonio, but um, Oregon would have gone east and played LSU, and we would have been enjoying ourselves in beautiful Southern California. But, again, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of revisionist history there. But, yeah, I, th- I think I think your argument could, could stand, but I just think if they're able to end this year on a positive note and beat a, a Hallmark team like Texas, it would go a long way for the youth in the long run. Now, for The Athletic, you did a piece on Jake Bentley. Is that correct? Yep. What'd you find out? Um, nothing that, I mean, nothing earth-shattering. We, uh, we are lucky enough to have a South Carolina beat writer, um, Josh Kendall, who's covered Jake for a long time, and he did a pretty good you know, exit feature story on when Jake decided to leave and, and transfer to Utah. But I was able to talk to you know folks down in uh, Opelika, Alabama, where – Jake's dad worked at Auburn, which is just nearby, and just learning about how he grew up and grew up in a football family. Um, it's not hard to see why Utah was attracted to uh, getting Jake out here for obvious reasons. Andy Ludwig recruited him when he was at Vanderbilt, went down to Opelika and saw Jake firsthand, developed a, you know, a good recruiting relationship with Jake's parents. Um, his dad is now the tight ends coach at South Carolina, and uh yeah, it's not hard to see why Kyle and Andy wanted him. I mean, he's a guy with 33 career SEC starts and 55 touchdowns and probably too many interceptions, but you're playing an SEC defense every week, and anytime you throw it, that's going to happen. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly <laughs> – I don't want to like make an assumption that Jake is going to win the job early on. I just don't think you ha- you bring in a guy with that much experience for him to sit. So I think – Obviously, spring will be a uh, will be wearing out a tired storyline of Jake versus Cam Rising, but I think when it's all said and done, uh, Jake will go into the summer as the number one. Why didn't he want to stay in South Carolina and compete for the starting job? What was going on there? I just think he wanted to change the scenery. I think uh, it, it's it's kind of hard to get a true gauge when you aren't able to get a hold of the young man or too many people close to him like I haven't been able to yet but it's uh, I think just the change of scenery thing and, and Kyle Whittingham talked about this at the signing day press conference it's quarterback is the most volatile position in terms of the portal and, and movement and there is only one quarterback that plays per snap and uh, Jake wanted one more shot to showcase his abilities and I think he did all that he could in South Carolina and I think he wanted to uh, try something else out and He's coming out west to uh, be able to do that one more year in Salt Lake. So it was just a Ludwig factor. I won the Utes are a good program, and I guess Tyler Huntley being a senior, all those things into one. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think it's. I'm sure Jake and his family surveyed some some Power Five conference teams, and you know, figured out who gives him the best chance of playing well, what the fit is. 
Um, I mean, obviously Jake can throw it. He has a, has a monster arm, but obviously he wants to be part of a balanced offense, which Andy Ludwig provides. And uh, it's no, no knock on the Pac-12 here, but you know the Pac-12 does not sport the kind of uh, defensive prowess that the SEC conference does. And not saying life will be easier on Jake should he win the job every weekend, but basically kind of saying that, if that makes sense. Yeah, Chris Camerani from The Athletic joining us on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Uh, we saw, and I think Andy Ludwig was very, very emphatic from spring ball on, right right from the start, you know, Tyler Huntley a lot last year running the ball, and then uh, Ludwig just basically saying that's not going to happen this year. Uh, what type of runner is Bentley? Um, I wouldn't say he's the sneaky athletic that, Justin Herbert is, but I think there is a kind of a comparison there to be made that he can extend plays with his legs if he needs to. Maybe not to the level of Cam Rising either, but he's not going to be a statue in the backfield. Um, and again, I mean, Utah loses Zach Moss, who is uh, a legendary figure in the program now, but they have a bunch of talented guys coming back who can do different things in the run game. And I just think that I, I just have a hard time even looking, looking into the crystal ball. Does Utah even have a emphatic number one next year out of the backfield to compliment Jake. My guess would be you're just going to see Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore. And, um, I assume this new kid from Texas, Ty Jordan, who was a former Texas commit, will, will factor in just because of his ability um, in the speed game. So it's going to be, uh, I think, Andy, you could see Andy open it up more and throw it more next year just because of the amount of returning players that Utah has on the outside. I mean, we forget that Britton Covey hasn't played since the fourth game of the year, and by by next fall, Britain will have uh, basically an entire year off to recover from his knee, and Brandon Keithy's back. Everybody's back except for Damari Sipkins in, in terms of the skill position players. So Andy and Jake and Cam Rising will have a, a lot to uh, deal with next year. Yeah, you know what I find interesting? That, you know, they started Huntley his sophomore year. He goes 7-6 and six and then gets better as a junior got injured, but he still was better. And then his senior year, he turns out and has a really good season, obviously a great season. I'm wondering, with Bentley coming in next year, do you think that that helps, obviously, in the short term, but do you think that stunts it if he ends up playing the whole time for the following two years because Rising could have got more experience next year and been ready for 2021 or none of yeah. that matters. You're playing to win games now. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, you can make an argument for either side. I, I think the fact that Utah has so much returning talent on the perimeter um, bodes well for a seasoned quarterback to come in and capitalize on that. Um, I mean – Cam Rising is a talent. The Utah staff loves him. There's a reason why he chose to come to Salt Lake. But the reality is he's never had a Division One snap to, in his years as a college player. And, I mean, Jake Bentley started 33 games in the SEC and started since his true freshman season. So um, I, I think the fact that Utah does have so much returning talent next year is going to play a factor in, in Jake likely winning the starting job. Now, again, that's just my opinion. Um, Cam could come in and blow the doors off and, and be the guy. I mean, you were there a couple of years ago, PK. None of us really foresaw Tyler Huntley beating out Troy Williams, Troy's senior year, and that happened. Yeah. So who knows? You never really know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes it makes it interesting, though, and that's what we want. We want storylines that are interesting, and this kid coming in certainly makes the spring camp 
more interesting. And then obviously into August makes it more interesting. And for guys like you and me, that's what we yep. live for. <laughs> so, we, so good we, for live to, we live, yeah, we live to annoy the coaches with the same regurgitated questions, every single availability. You're right. All right. Hey, I'll see you at the ball game tonight. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thanks, PK. All right. That's Chris Camerani from the athletic next. We got a new person in town covering the Utah Jazz for the Deseret News. We'll get to that. So stay with us. 975, 1280 the zone. Big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Sam Amick of The Athletic. Does a team have to have a star in order to win? I guess the answer is yes. you got to have at least one to be a top-tier team in today's NBA and this Western Conference. Just look at the squads they're going up against, Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, all the way down. These teams have star power. But this is a Jazz team that had to make it through a lot of stuff. Obviously, Mike Conley being out quite a bit has been the first thing. And they had to kind of rediscover themselves. But to see Donovan play like a star on that stage with other stars on that court is big, too. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The final half hour of 2019 is upon the DJ and PK Show. Thanks for listening. I'm PK doing the show by myself today because DJ is flying down to San Antonio for the ball game this afternoon, 530 Utah time. The game between the Utah Utes and the Texas Longhorns on ESPN, 5.30 kickoff. Excited for the game. Excited to have the opportunity to watch Utah play one more time. It's been a lot of fun this season. No matter what happens today, it's been a lot of fun. Sad that the season is over. And then look forward, as we do, to next year and all that stuff. Uh, But they got one more opportunity to play a ball game that uh, I know they desperately want to win. Setting the seniors off on the right note, as Kyle likes to say. Also, be 12-2 and two, and most likely with the top 10 ranking. That is nothing to sneeze at, nothing nothing to throw away. Even with the disappointment against Oregon and 8-1 and one in conference with a seven-point loss to SC. You know, you didn't achieve the ultimate goal. I get all that. but And so you wouldn't say I would take it every time, but you take it a lot of times, I would think. Sunday will... Sun Devil fan, I would take that every time. But knowing that we're going to switch now and talk a little Utah Jazz. Joining us now, as I understand it, I went out with some of her new uh, colleagues, uh, Jody Genesey and uh, Dirk Facer last night. We had a dinner in which we honored Kurt Craigthorpe. It was kind of a thing of, hey, one goes away, Craigthorpe's retiring, and then someone comes new. It's poetic. Sarah Todd of the Deseret News is a new jazz beat writer. Sarah, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. I'm glad to be with you. It's my uh, first radio show in Salt Lake City, so thank you very much. <laughs> well, you won't. It won't be the last because uh, you probably already know this, but this town and this state obsesses over the Jazz. It's a big, big deal. They are linked to the big time. I'm sure you're well aware of that, but you've only been on the job a short time. Uh, how attractive was that? for you i want to get into your background uh, in a second but how attractive was that coming to a place where you know like portland or even though i'm in san antonio right now covering the game here for the football to where you know you have the one team and as far as the professionals the big time this is really it yeah that was a really big deal to me i wanted to be somewhere where the 
the fan base and the market was really strong for the team that I was going to be covering. And Utah brings that just immediately. Like you said, it's the the one big professional team that really has a high draw for the state. And, I mean, the fans are known for being really passionate and known for being really involved and invested in everything that goes on with the team. And, I mean, that's that's exactly what you want as a reporter because you want the people to be invested and involved in the things that you have to say and what you write. So that was really important to me, and I'm really, really happy with the results so far. So give us a little bit about your background. Where have you been and how'd you get here? Yeah, I'm from California, from Northern California, and I uh, covered the Golden State Warriors to start out my NBA reporting career. Um, covered them for a few years leading up to the 2015 championship, and then I shifted gears and moved to Philadelphia, and I was the Sixers beat writer for the last couple of years, so I've seen it from both coasts and really big markets. And uh, now I'm here covering the Jazz. So you just wanted to get west, or you were dying to cover the Jazz, or both? Uh, both. I really wanted to get closer to my family. I'm from uh, a really small town called Paradise in California, which just became infamous sure. this last year oh, for being definitely. the. Yeah. yeah, for being the town that burned down during right. the campfire. So when things like that happen in life, it kind of gives you a little bit more of a perspective. And I knew that I really wanted to be closer to my family. And as that was happening and then helping them relocate this summer, I just needed to make a move. And when the jazz job became available, I knew it was a really good opportunity. Sarah Todd, new beat writer for the Deseret News covering the Jazz. I don't know how personal you want to get, but how was that situation? Because obviously the Paradise situation became national news. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it's really strange. My whole life, no one has ever known where Paradise, California is. And then all of a sudden now everybody knows. And when I say I'm from Paradise, there's always kind of like this really bummer look on their face because it's, you know, it's a tough subject. It was really hard going through it that day was really scary i was in philadelphia when it was happening and uh one of the first things to go in paradise were like cell towers and hospitals so i couldn't get a hold of anyone once i started getting a hold of family members then the last person to hear from was my dad and i didn't hear from him for four and a half hours and we knew that he was trying to get out but didn't know if he did and so longest four and a half hours of my life it was a a really hard thing just seeing my family and all my friends and their families lose everything that they had. But like I said, you gain a little per- bit of perspective with something like that. And so I always tell people, yeah, they lost everything, but my family made it out alive. And that's the only thing I really care about. Yeah. In the end, I guess that's what matters the most uh, rather than possessions or buildings or what have you. But uh that's uh, a tough situation. Continue to read about that as their sports teams, from the athletic standpoint, uh, the high school gets back, tries to get back on its feet. And so I've read a number of things on that. It's a very interesting story and heartwarming and heartbreaking all rolled into one, I guess. Yeah. And I played basketball at Paradise High School. And so I, too, have read the stories coming out of that. And um, high school sports in that town is everything. There's nothing that means more to people up there. And it's it's really beautiful to see that the whole town is kind of rallying around what's left of an athletic program. And um, I'm really happy about that. 
So you have experience covering a couple of NBA teams in bigger markets, obviously. And I'm sure you were aware of the Jazz. From your experience in the league, what was the perception of the franchise? Um, I guess my my biggest takeaway has been the last few years and the way that they've kind of chipped away as one of the smaller market teams coming into the national conversation <clears throat> and doing it slowly and deliberately. And then mostly the last couple of years, it's been, you know, keep an eye on this team, watch out because they're starting to get better. Things are looking different. Um, obviously they got a new arena. And so when a team does that, they're starting to get better while they also have a new playing arena everyone in the league starts talking about like, oh, this this team's on the upstart. And so I've been keeping my eye on them for the last couple of years. And I think it's it's really exciting. And watching them in the playoffs, there's just so much potential and there's so much room to get better. And you got to love that as a basketball fan, knowing that you're already in that, you know, year-end tournament and you've still got room to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, since you've been here, uh, I don't know how long you've been here. I assume a week or so. Is that accurate? Yeah, I got to Salt Lake on December 16th. Oh, okay. So they've already made a big trade. They've already made two, a couple of big yeah. moves. So you had, you had to hit the, hit the ground running there. Uh, what do you think of the Clarkson move? I think the Clarkson move is great. I mean, I just wrote about this last night that, you know, he's, barely played three games and already made such an impact. And um, I'm a, I'm actually surprised at some of his defensive capabilities. Watching him from afar, I never really thought of him as a defensive player, but he looks really hungry and really – he looks like he's really trying. And that's, you know, half of it when it's on defense. You, when you look at a guy that's not good on defense, it's like, oh, he doesn't even try you just put in a little effort but he's really out there trying and he's making good reads and I've been impressed with him on that end and then of course you know getting 20 points off the bench is no one's ever going to shake their head at that um on the other side of that getting rid of Dante Exxon I know how much Utah fans had invested in him and how much the team had invested in him but it just the timing of it this was the best way to go I think because there's no really good way to develop a guy when you need to really invest time with him on the court when you're a team that's trying to get as many wins as you can because then you could be developing him at the risk of getting those Ws. Sarah Todd, new jazz writer for the Deseret News, is joining us. Yeah, that's the thing about, you know, we were – I've been doing this radio show for almost 18 years now. And so we've gone through a lot of highs and lows. And there were several years where the jazz were obviously building – and it was all about the future. And, you know, you have to go through that, particularly as a smaller market. Obviously, you just can't go out and pluck the best free agents every year and all that stuff. But the great thing about it is that they are they're out of that. And it is a win now mode and they're doing everything possible. To me, that's what sent the message is that. Clarkson comes aboard. We're trying to win, and we're trying to win now, particularly with the Warriors and their situation. There's an opening there. And, you know, the Lakers are good. 
but uh, they're fragile because they've got a 35-year-old. I think he turns 35 tomorrow or today, actually. And then, uh, you know, Anthony Davis had a little bit of an injury history. So the point I'm making is that it's win-now mode because you don't know what's going to happen. And as you handicap the West, right now, and you can disagree with me if you want, but because of there's a couple of teams, you know, Lakers and Clippers may have separated, but it's not like it's like the Warriors of the last few years. So any number, any one of those six teams could emerge from the West. So the Jazz have to be in that win now mode because the opportunity is there. Do you see it that way or differently? Absolutely. I mean, and I mean, I'm not going to be the person that sides with uh, Father Time against LeBron James. But still, I will say anybody is fallible, and that includes the Lakers and the Clippers, who are the front runners in the West and the favorites right now. That does not mean that the Jazz don't have a chance, and the West is open right now. It's open for somebody to come in and take a big step. And from the Jazz's perspective, that all looks great, and yes, they have to win now, but they also have to look at their own roster and their own ages, and right now is a really good opportunity for them. They don't want to wait a couple years and then perhaps pass up the primes of some of their players. So they have to be in that win-now situation because we're looking five years from now, this is going to be a completely different team. They might not have an opportunity to win. Like Donovan is still going to be great, and he's young, but that's not to say that everybody else will. The injuries might not happen. And so while they've got a good core and they have some pieces that can actually propel them in the playoffs, they have to be able to go for it, and you can tell that they're going. What do you make of the Conley situation? I I know that uh, Jazz fans have been pretty worried, uh, or maybe not worried is the right word, trepidatious about whether or not he is actually going to be a good fit. And I know that things have been going good lately with him out of the mix and Donovan kind of handling things. But Conley is a great player, and he always impacts things when he's on the court. And I think just like any other player, like Bojan getting used to things, the way that Royce had to get used to things, I think that it's going to take time to con- for Conley to actually integrate into this system and understand everything in the right way. And like everyone else, there's going to be ups and downs. I guarantee you that Jordan Clarkson is not going to be scoring 20 points off the bench every single night. It looks good right now. And when things don't get good, you're going to start wondering, like, why do we pick this guy up? But the, the net is going to be good. And I think that's the way it's going to be with Conley. And that's right now, I could be totally wrong, but from covering the league, I covered him in a playoff series against the Warriors when he was with Memphis. And he just does so many things, especially at that high level of competition during the postseason. And I think that the Jazz are going to be happy to have him once he's healthy and once he's on the floor. Sarah Todd, beat writer for the Deseret News for the Jazz. Obviously, I haven't met you, but I believe you're female. you got a female first name. You sound like a female, so I'm going to assume you're female. Uh, How is it? it, uh, (laughs) How has that been for you covering this league? Is that something we've gotten past or is it still an issue? Uh, it, it only becomes an issue when people disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing that, like, fans, people on Twitter, you know, other people, they turn to uh, to try to uh, use it as an insult. Um, the good news is 
I'm very proud to be a woman in the sports world, and uh, it's not a problem for me if you're going to try to turn that into an influence and I tell you, hey, guess what? I'm really happy about it, so you're wrong. <laughs> um, uh, it's been, I mean, I think like with anything where there, uh, an area of where you work is dominated by a certain gender, there are going to be things, there are going to be struggles, obstacles, uh, especially early on when I was younger uh, and female. It made me feel like I had to work 10 times harder to prove myself, even though I knew just as much as everyone else around me. But I think that nowadays um, I've built a reputation for myself and people know that I'm good at my job and I love the game of basketball and I know more about it than I'm most people on the street and so that's respected and it gives me credibility in my work and I think that passes for almost anything and at that point my gender doesn't matter yeah you know what I've seen personally I've witnessed that if I make a mistake oh well I made a mistake but if a woman makes a mistake it's oh my gosh you dumb female, you don't know what you're talking about. And it seems like there was more allowance for me as a male to make a mistake. And if a female made one, it was uh, more severe. The mistake could be exactly the same, but for whatever reason, if a female made it, it seems like the repercussion or the blowback was more harsh. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very careful about what I do and I have to be that way because that is the situation being a woman in sports media. Um, people are always shocked when, I mean, even, even people who know that that's the situation, if I show them like my Twitter DMs or my mentions, they're like, Oh my gosh, like that's what you get every day. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that happens yeah. constantly all the time or just reader emails. People will email in just to tell me that like, I shouldn't be doing this job because I'm a woman. Um, you got to have thick skin and I just let it roll off my back because I know the people that matter and the people who enjoy what I'm doing, they're not the ones writing in and saying that stuff. And, you know, for every crappy email that I get or bad word on Twitter, there's, you know, how many other people that are actually appreciating what I'm doing. So that's the way I try to look at it. Well, Sarah, welcome to town and wish you the best and look forward to reading your stuff. You were an excellent interview and we'll have you on again. Okay. Very happy to be on, and I'll talk to you next time. All right. Thank you. That's Sarah Todd, jazz writer for the Deseret News. Uh, coming up next, we'll close up the show and close up the year. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Hey, thanks for joining us. As we close out the year, 2020 is upon us. And normally at that time, we had on Sarah Todd, new beat writer for the Deseret News. Yet, yet. Yes, you, Shasta Trailer, I got your she doesn't sound like a Sarah thing. And we didn't play that because she wouldn't have had any idea of what we were talking about. <laughs> so we didn't go in that direction because that was. It would have taken forever was, to explain that. Yeah, that, that's probably coming up on, what, 10 years ago or so? I'm not sure exactly when that Debbie thing was. But normally at that time, we do the headlines, get you up to date. 
Jazz won and the Utes play today. Those are the two big headlines. The 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines are brought to you by Larry H. Miller. Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. You can find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. And right now, the feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. We've been talking all about the Utes and what they need to do to win this ball game and how important it is for them to win. Uh, what would be their season? How would you reflect upon their season if they lost, if they won, whatever it might be? And those are some issues. You know, what's the grade? What would it be? I think I'm going to go, uh, certainly if they win, I think actually I'm going to, I'm going to raise it. I'm, I, I, we talked about it being an A minus earlier. And some of the people, because I asked, how would you remember Utah's season, depending on if they win or lose? I think I'm going to go if they win a solid A, not an A minus. So 12 and 2 with a top 10 ranking. That's a really good season. And you only had, I don't consider the SC game a really bad game statistically. You, you handled them. They made a couple of plays over the top. So be it. Uh, and I think going forward there, the Oregon game was a stinker. But, you know, two weeks earlier, Oregon had a stinker against ASU. Does that mean ASU is better than Oregon? Probably not. They were on that day. And Oregon took it to Utah on that day. Does that mean they're as good as they showed and Utah as bad as they showed? Probably not. But for that one day, they had it going on. So if they win today, I think I'm going to go – an A, and if they lose, I'm going to go an A minus. I've upped the grade uh, a little bit there. And you can go on our Facebook if you want to comment. DJ's on his way down to Salt Lake. He's fly- or yeah, from Salt Lake, not to Salt Lake. He'll be here. We'll have all the stuff for you, and then we'll be back with you on uh, Thursday. Hey, a little personal note. Yeah, dog died today. So I'm going to sign off and... Look forward to talking to you on Thursday. Goodbye.